Sometimes he seems so distant, so different. Is he even real? What if that transcendent, holy, glorious creator of the universe wanted to meet us? What if we could know him, not just know about him, but actually know him? Encountering God. A new series at Stapleton Church. Well, good morning, everybody. It's so good to see you. I'm so glad you're here today. It's going to be a good day. It is going to be a good day. Every day, every Sunday is a good day, but this one especially is good. My name is Matt Wolf. I'm the lead pastor here. For those of you who don't know me, welcome. I'm glad you're here. I also want to introduce someone to you, J.J. Alderman. Um, J.J., I just met this weekend. We had uh, a conference of all of our churches. So we're in a part of a church network called Converge Worldwide with churches here in the United States and around the world. We have missionaries that we support, people like J.J. and his family. So he's going to talk a little bit about what he's doing in Togo. You guys know where that is, right? Oh, even some yeses. First service was like, no one. You guys are smart service. That's on the coast of West Africa, the Ivory Coast. But JJ's going to talk a little bit about what he does. So would you welcome JJ? What is great to be here, my wife and three daughters, six, five, and three years older in Jacksonville, Florida right now, we're on a home assignment for about five or so months in the U.S. while my kids are going to school this semester, and then we get to go back to Togo. We've been serving there for the last 10 or so years together in the area that's called the voodoo capital or the voodoo birthplace of the world there in West Africa. And it's a place where we're, yes, there's great darkness, but at the same time, we're seeing God do incredible things. We're in an area of the world where when we share our faith with people, nine out of ten have never heard that God loves them and wants to have a relationship with them for the very first time. And so because of that, we see life change on a regular basis. Our role as missionaries is that we get to equip young leaders and watch and walk alongside people from that moment of faith to the time that they're baptized and start growing until they want to go out and share their faith and even start faith communities in other areas around the country. And so we're working in a couple unreached people groups. And I think of a young guy named Charles. Charles is still in high school. He's in his last year of high school right now. And he came to faith in Jesus on the side of a soccer field where people were playing and others were walking around and introducing themselves. And when I, when I talked to Charles, we often asked this question in Togo, have you shared your faith with anybody this week? And the answer is almost always yes, because there are people that have never heard. And so when I talk to Charles, I say, how did it go this week? knowing good and well that he's adamant about sharing his faith in, in his school with his uh, classmates. And as we look back, he came to faith in, in, in Christ in 2013, and he says, in 2014, I had the courage and I shared my faith for the first time. And it's always a little bit scary that first time, and it continues to be at times. And as he's progressed on, about 2017, he says, you know, I have a problem right now. I've talked to everybody in my school, but next year I get to go to another school, and I'll get to talk to new people as well. And so as of just a couple months ago, he's seen 170 people on one-on-one conversations that have placed their faith in Jesus and now have a relationship with Christ. And when I asked Charles, I say, what do you want to do with your life after high school? He says, I'm concerned about my community, about my village up the road here. I'm going to go start a church up there. And so that's what we get to do as missionaries is we get to help guys like that as they grow. And watching from the very first decision to follow Jesus to where they continue and they're sharing their faith with others. And so if you think about Togo, would you pray for us? Would you pray that God will continue to bless what he's already doing 
And right now we're asking God for 190,000 disciples in about 10 unreached people groups. And so we're asking God to send us the right people, and would you pray with us as he continues to work? Thank you so much. Hey, JJ, before you leave, could I pray for you real quick? Could you guys just reach out your hands so you can be praying with me as we all pray together? Lord God, I'm just so grateful to have met JJ and to know and that we are a part of what's going on there around the world um, through Converge. And I pray, Lord, that you would just bless him and his family here on home assignment, that you'd give them rest and relaxation, um, rejuvenation of some friendships and relationships that they haven't seen in years. And I pray that you'd bless them so that they go back even more passionate than they ever have been, continue to work through the young men um, there and, and young women there in Togo. Lord, we pray for amazing work of the kingdom there in Togo and in all of West Africa. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thank you, JJ. Okay, yeah, it was great. We had this, this conference, and not only um, did we meet JJ and have some great speakers, our whole staff, our elder board went, but Ariel Myers, our kids' ministry director, taught one of the breakout sessions. So if Ariel, let's give her a round of applause. She did a great job. She was actually teaching a lot of the churches here in our region, which is Colorado, Wyoming, New Mexico, and a little bit of Nebraska, and Utah, about how to do in-between ministry. You've heard of that, right? Just that, that age right at the end of elementary school into middle school is kind of a tough transition. So she's created a ministry here just for 5th and 6th graders to help them with that transition. Um, and, and it's going to be some changes and adaptations that as she's learning even for the fall that she's going to be doing a little bit differently. But I think she's great. She's on like kind of the cutting edge of that kind of ministry because the world is so much different now than it was even when I was that age. So different. So it's great things that she's doing and gets to do here. Stapleton Church through our Elevate Kids ministry program. So um, we are going to be in our Encountering God series. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to 1 Samuel chapter 3. You can look on your smartphone. I'll have the verses up here on the screen if you don't have that. And I know some of you didn't get a bulletin. I'm sorry, but I'm also kind of not sorry because that's a good thing we ran out. Um, that actually makes me happy. Um, but if you don't have that, the notes, we put them up online afterwards. But that means you're really going to have to remember today. So I want you focused, zeroed in. I want you to remember this. And I'm going to make it easy to remember because we are talking today about a God who speaks. Did you know that God speaks? Have you ever wanted him to speak to you? I have. <laughs> uh, I, I definitely can think of some times in my life where I'm like, when I was younger, God, is this girl the right one? Tell me, please. I want to know. Should I go to that school? Should I move to that city? What should I do with my life? We're asking God. And have you ever asked questions like that? Maybe you're asking a question right now. You even showed up. God, what are you going to tell me today? I want to know something. We're waiting for God to speak. And we wonder, does he speak today? Maybe he spoke in the Bible, but does he speak today? And then we want to wonder, if we're not hearing anything, is he even there? These are questions we all have. So we're going to look because God is a God who speaks. And we are going to learn today how... To hear God speak. We're going to learn to hear God speak today because it is something that you don't have intrinsically. You have to actually learn and develop a skill and an ability to hear God speak because he does speak. And all of us, if you're saying, if he does speak, I want to hear it, right? We're going to learn how to hear God speak. And if you notice, make Rick Warren proud, we have a nice little acronym. Here, man, this is a, this is a good one I got for you today. A good acronym, you're going to remember it even if you can't take notes. To hear God speak, I'm going to teach you these four different lessons from Samuel about how to hear God speak. So if you haven't been here, or if you have been here, I'll just explain where we are in our series. So we're in the series called Encountering God. 
We started it back in the first Sunday in January. And what we're looking at is an encounter that people had in the Bible between a human being and the God of the universe. And these are bizarre stories. They really are. If you read some of them, there's like a a bush that's burning but not really burning. You know, God comes down in all sorts of different forms. And you're just like, what is going on? This is crazy. And each one of them is unique and special. And we started in January. We actually took a break for the month of February to do our Kingdom Vision series. And then Grant Ryder jumped back into our Encounter in God series as we looked at the very first encounter in the Bible between God and human beings in Genesis chapter 3. So if you miss any of those messages, you can go online, stapledonchurch.com. We have the audio and video. You can subscribe to that so you never miss one. You can send straight to your smartphone. Um, But we are encountering God again because what we're doing here in this series, we're kind of putting our foot down and we're saying no more second-hand God. Enough hearing about what other people say about God. No, I want to have a relationship with God. I want to know the God who wants to know me because he does. He wants to know you. He loves you. He cares about you. He wants to have a relationship with you. So in this series, we're learning how to do that. And today we're learning about this God who speaks, who speaks. So let's look in 1 Samuel chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 1. Verse 1, we read, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. Does that kind of sound like your life? <laughs> the word of the Lord is rare. When is God speaking? Is he speaking? Uh, visions, uh, I don't know. Does that even exist? You know, Lily Tomlin, the comedian, once said that when um, we speak to God, we call it prayer. But when God speaks to us, we call it schizophrenia. I thought that was funny. But we wonder that. Where's the word of God? Does he speak? Is he speaking to me? I, I'm trying to figure out. Or you hear something. Is that from him? So that's the situation where Samuel was living in. It's similar to us today. I like that. And just a little bit of background. We'll talk more later, but Samuel was a boy. He was probably a preteen, one of those in betines at this stage. He wasn't old enough, which would have been 13, to be considered an adult. He was still a boy. But he is ministering before the Lord under Eli. Now, Eli was the high priest at the time, so he was this, the spiritual leader of all of God's people. The spiritual leader. And we'll talk about Eli in a little bit, but Samuel's mother, Hannah, if you've ever read this story, a very famous story in the Bible, in 1 Samuel chapter 1, she could not have a child. She was infertile, she was barren, and she prayed and cried out to God, and one day she finally said, God, if you give me a child, I will give him to you. Saying, I'll I'll completely give up the thing that I've been longing for for so long. And God said, okay. So when... Hannah had Samuel, she literally brought him to Eli in the temple and said, he's yours. So he lived in the temple. His mom, Hannah, would come see him once a year. And he learned under Eli what it was like to be a priest. So he's kind of the assistant to the priest this whole time. In fact, later in this passage, it says um, that Samuel would sleep right next to the Ark of the Covenant. You remember the Ark of the Covenant, right? You've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. If you open it up, your face melts. You know what I'm talking about. That's actually not in the Bible, but I thought you'd remember that. So Samuel is sleeping in the same room as this Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant was this beautiful gold box that was built. And inside of it had things like the Ten Commandments, big important things that God gave to Moses on the mountaintop. And they're housed in this box. And on top of the box, there's these angels with their arms outstretched, their wings outstretched, to form a throne. But there's no one on the throne. See, the thing that sets apart the God of the Bible from every other God 
is that he said, you cannot make an image of me. You cannot show what I look like because I'm invisible. I'm a spirit. So this throne would be like you could imagine that someone would sit on top of it. So God would say, hey, I'm sitting there. In, in Hebrew, the word sit and dwell is the same word. So I'm dwelling. I'm living there among you on this Ark of the Covenant. And the temple hadn't been built yet. It would be built later by David, the king. But at this time, there was a tabernacle. It was basically a, a big permanent tent. And in this tabernacle was housed in the Holy of Holies, the special inner room, this Ark of the Covenant. And that is where Samuel slept. He was sleeping there every single night. And that's where we're going to pick up our story down in verse 4. In verse 4, we read, Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. So there's actually a voice that Samuel hears. He's sleeping there next to the Ark of the Covenant, and he hears his voice calling his name. He called him Samuel. And it says, Samuel answered, here I am, in verse 5, and he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Any of you parents have kids that do that? Come in your room. Did you call me? Just trying to stay up a night, another night, right? Some of you are even tired right now. I think there's probably some people watching right now because their kids will kept them up all night, right? So thank you for joining us. But it wasn't Eli who had called Samuel, was it? It wasn't. It was God calling Samuel. But Samuel runs to Eli when he hears this audible voice. Now, I want to point that out. God can and does speak in an audible voice, something that you can hear. Throughout the Bible, there's an audible voice that's spoken. So can he still do that today? I mean, God is God. Why not? Why not? I know people that have heard this audible voice. I feel like I have at times in my life that literally you hear something. Or sometimes it's so clear. It's like, I don't know if anybody else heard that, but I did. But I also know some Christians who have gone their entire life without ever hearing that audible voice. And I think that's okay too. What we see in this story and all these encounters with God is that they are not necessarily normative. Okay? These are bizarre, unique encounters. None of them happen the same way twice. So if you are like, I I haven't heard my audible voice, that's okay. That's okay. But God does speak. And what's interesting is here, God calls Samuel, but then it happens again. Samuel goes back and lays down and hears his his voice calling his name again. So he wakes up and he runs to Eli's room a second time. Did you call me? He's like, no, go back to bed, kids. And then it happened the third time. Samuel's sleeping there, lying on the ground. He hears this voice calling his name and he runs to Eli's room. And Eli says, it wasn't me. Three times. Why I point this out is because this is so important for us to see. I want you to notice this uh, down in verse 7. Look at verse 7. It says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So why am I pointing that out? Because you could be a believer going to church, ministering before the Lord. That's what it said. Ministering before the Lord. This is what Samuel was doing. You could be a, a great volunteer in church. You could be a pastor even. Still not know God's voice not actually know him. You have to learn God's voice. You have to learn to hear him speak. So I I want you to realize this. You've got to develop this skill. 
Samuel didn't get it. Eli didn't even get it for the first two times. It wasn't until the third time he said, oh, maybe there's something going on here. It's a little dense, literally. If you read 1 Samuel 4, you know what I'm talking about. He's a big dude. He's a big dude. And they don't know God's voice. A minister, you'd think somebody like serving that often would know God's voice, but you have to learn to hear God's voice. It does not come intrinsically. It is a skill that you have to develop. You have to learn how to hear God's voice. And I think this is so important for us just to understand. We have to learn it. And Jesus would say something very similar in John chapter 10. John chapter 10, Jesus would say, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. When Jesus says that, he says, If you're a follower, if you're one of my sheep, I'm the shepherd, you'll hear my voice. Meaning that people who are not Jesus' sheep do not hear that voice. So you actually have to learn to hear the voice of God, to hear him speak. It's something that you have to learn. But it's so important for us to have this relationship. God wants us to hear him. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. My voice is so important. Get to know it. Learn it. Be able to recognize it anywhere. Have you ever noticed that in, uh, whether you're watching cartoons or, or CGI movies, they always have famous actors now? Who cares? Why are you paying millions of dollars for this famous actor? Right? You don't see the person. <laughs> it's just a voice. Yeah, I, I know like, you know, Robin Williams. I mean, nobody else could do, do the genie like that, right? I mean, that's unique. But most of the other ones, like, why do you need John C. Riley to be Wreck-It Ralph? Like, who cares? You could have any old guy named Ralph. He'd do a great job. But why are the studios paying millions of dollars for these actors? You don't see them. But because you recognize their voice. Even sometimes we watch it. I've watched entire movies and been like, whose voice is that? You, you know what I'm talking about? Whose is that? My wife always knows. I'm like, who was that? Or we'll see it in the end credits. Oh, yeah, it was that person. Because we recognize these voices. It's the same thing when you watch commercials. They use these famous voice actors. Like, why did you have to pay that much money for Morgan Freeman? Well, he's worth it, but... I mean, some of these other, like Kiefer Sutherland, who cares? He's not 24, you know. But when we hear their voice, even if we don't put it together that that's the name going with the voice, we almost just trust the voice and we spend our money. That's what they do, right? Because there's this voice you recognize. So in the same way, God says, I want you to know my voice because you can trust me. I want you to have this relationship of trust between us. So learn my voice. And that's what I'm going to encourage you to do to, today to do, to learn to hear God speak. And that's why I'm giving you an incredibly easy acronym to remember. Hear. Pretty simple, right? Four things. Hear. And I want you to, to memorize this. This comes from our passage today. And the first one, to hear God speak, you need to humble yourself. H, humble yourself. H, humble yourself. That's the first thing we need to do. We need to learn to humble our, ourselves. So the third time when Samuel runs into Eli's bedroom, hey, did you call me? Eli finally realizes, oh, this is God. So he says in verse 8, it says the third time, uh, okay, sorry, I'm sorry. The, then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. For your servant. See, when you tell someone you're, you're, their, you're their servant, you're saying, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to do what you say. I'm humble before you. I'm not in charge anymore. You are. 
See this posture of humility that Eli is saying, this is what you have to do. If you're hearing God speak, you better be humble before him. And you need to humble yourself if you're going to listen to him and learn to hear him speak. So humble yourself. That's the first thing that we need to do, to humble ourselves before God. So I want to encourage you guys to do this, to humble yourself. We have to be in a humble posture if we want to be able to hear God speak. We have to be at the point where we say, I need him to speak because I don't know what to do. I need some help because I can't do it on my own. That's humility. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So I want to encourage you to do that. Have you ever noticed when you're giving someone instructions about to do something they've never done before? No matter how clear you are with those instructions, they never remember any of them. No, seriously. The first time you tell them, and you're, I used to get so frustrated with that. I told you exactly what to do. I gave very clear instructions, and then you do it and you have no idea. But the, the reason is, is that's just how we are as human beings. It's not until we try it and realize, I don't know what I'm doing. Then we actually can listen. Seriously, I, I was uh, putting in a light in McKinley's room, our daughter. Um, I had bought her a chandelier before she was born, but in our new house there was no light, in, uh, you know, overhead light. So I had to cut a hole in the ceiling and do all this stuff that I'd never done before. So I even read some stuff and watched a video on it beforehand. It was worthless. Because then when I actually started and I'm trying to do it, I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. And then I watched the video again and it made sense. You know what I'm doing? Have you ever done this before? It's when you're trying the thing, then you realize, I need this help. We're humble and we're eager and ready to learn. Finally, when we realize, oh yeah, I did need to listen. Uh, I should have listened to Melissa when she told me how to make this cake because I have no idea what I'm doing. But then you can ask, oh yeah, that makes sense. You have to have a humble posture. So that's the first thing I want to encourage you to do, to humble yourself. And this can take just a practical way. When you're praying... When you're reading the Bible, the first thing you should do is humble yourself before God. Come in with that attitude. I pray every morning when I open up my Bible to read and I say, you know, just uh, I humble myself before you, God. But I would even encourage you, I think that this prayer that Eli teaches Samuel, you guys should do. I've been trying it this week and it's really good. Do you know what the prayer was? Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Let's practice saying that right now. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. One more time. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. What if every morning you started out by praying that way? That was the first thing you said. Or you, before you opened up your Bible to read, you said, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. You're going to start out with humility. You're going to be ready to hear from him saying, I'm your servant, not the other way around. So that's the first thing we need to do. But it's not just a posture we should have. So we we have this posture of humility with open arms, ready to receive what God has, with open ears, ready to hear what he has to say with us. But the second thing is that we need to believe something. We have to expect something. This is about belief. Do you actually expect God to speak? Do you believe that he can speak? One person. In verse um, 10, when we pick this up, or I'm sorry, at the end of verse 9, it says that, So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Now, finally, Samuel is ready to hear from God, and he's expecting it. Now, I think it's really interesting. Eli said, if God speaks again. God is not a dog to speak on command. He's not. 
We don't control him. We don't get to say, I expect you to speak now. But what I am saying is, do you expect he could speak to you today? Do you expect that he could bring something new to your life? Because if you don't, that means you don't have the faith to receive it. We need to expect something from God. Like I said, this isn't normal. This isn't normative. But we do need to expect it. In John um, chapter 10, verse 4, Jesus said, The sheep follow him, being the shepherd, because they recognize his voice. They're expecting him to speak, and they've learned to recognize it. So part of this expectation is learning how to hear God's voice. Because Jesus is the good shepherd. He wants us to hear his voice. We're his sheep. So what I want to encourage you to do is expect him to speak, and he can speak in all sorts of different ways. He may not give you that audible voice calling your name like he did to Samuel. Maybe he will. If he does, awesome. But God speaks in lots of different ways. He may just speak into your heart. And you just may know something. Or you feel this tug by the Holy Spirit leading you to do something or to stop doing something. You know, the Holy Spirit sometimes convicts us of sin. I'm not living the way I should be. That's God speaking to you. Be ready for that. God can also speak in bizarre ways like dreams and visions. I even just heard this weekend some more stories about Muslims in the Muslim world having these visions of Jesus Christ and then coming to faith in him. How does that happen? Well, God speaks in all sorts of different ways. I met a guy one time who God spoke to him very clearly when he was on an acid trip. Yeah, and he's like, he's like, I've got to repent of my sin. I've got to stop what I'm doing and I turn to Jesus. But the application is not to drop acid, okay? Please don't take that away from you. Don't go, you know, toke up or whatever it is and saying, well, God could speak in all sorts of different ways. Yes, he could, but he'll probably tell you to repent you do that no no god can speak in all sorts of different ways so are we expecting that are we ready for him to speak to us and here's another thing god has already spoken he wrote you a book 66 books actually have you read it have you read all of it do you understand all of it oh yeah there you go i want to encourage you to read this have you read all of it we'll get to it start reading read a chapter a day you'll finish in a few years Seriously. And even if you've read it, you've got to keep reading it again and again because we don't understand some of it. I read through it every year and there's still lots of parts where I'm like, I don't know if I get it. It doesn't make sense. But I keep reading it, keep trying to seek insight. Or even things I've read a hundred times and I think I understand, all of a sudden God will bring a new insight into it for me or a new application for my life. Because God speaks again and again through his word. It's living and active. That's what we're told. God's spirit works through the word of God. That's what we call the Bible. The word of God. So I want to encourage you to expect God to speak. And one really cool thing, as you're doing this, you're going to recognize his voice. You've read it so much so that when you hear another voice or, or another thing, you're like, no, 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 that's not God. I know because I know what God sounds like. I know he wouldn't tell me to do that because that's wrong. I know. I've read it in his word. You recognize his voice so well. So I want to encourage you to expect something from God. Here's the third thing. A lot of people forget this, the A. Ask him to speak. Seriously, a lot of people forget this. They they just kind of assume that God is going to speak. No, 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 actually ask him. That's why Jesus' brother James said, you have not because you ask not. Simple. You don't have wisdom because you haven't asked for wisdom. You don't have something because you haven't asked him for it. You need help, you just haven't even asked for the help. So ask him to speak to you. Ask him to speak. I want to encourage you to do that. It's amazing when I do marriage counseling, um, and I've done some, 
how much, if you really break down the issue, there's arguing and fighting and yelling even sometimes. And then you get down to the bottom line, the other person's like, oh, I didn't know that's what you wanted. Why didn't you just ask? Seriously. At the root of it, if you would have just at the beginning said, I would really like this, it would make me feel happy if you did this, the other person would be saying, okay. Instead, you've gotten bitter and angry and kind of held this grudge and for so long, and then you erupt at, angrier at the other person. You could have just asked. It's amazing that we just need to ask sometimes, and it's the same thing in our relationship with God. If we want him to speak, let's ask him to speak. We see that very clearly in this passage when finally Samuel goes back and, and, and speaks. He, he said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. That's what he said in verse 10. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. There's that asking. Speak. Tell me something. Tell me something new. That's why every morning you're going to say that prayer, right? Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. You're going to ask him to speak. But here's the thing. This is really important. A lot of people stop in this passage right there. I heard this as a kid. It's a great story for kids because it's a boy, right? A little kid. It's great for kids to teach them that God speaks and you can ask him things. In prayer, you can talk with him. There's communication. There's so, so many great lessons. But a lot of people stop the story right there. And they miss out on this fourth point. The thing that we need to do, and it's probably the most important thing to do. In order to learn to hear God's voice, the R, the fourth thing that we need to do, is respond in obedience. To respond in obedience. Now, I don't know if you know about this story. I want to give you a little bit of background. But Eli was the high priest. He was running... The, the sanctuary, this is where everyone in the nation, all of God's people had to come to worship God. And Eli was the gateholder, right? And he put his two sons in charge in the temple. His sons were terrible dudes. They were really bad. It says that when people would come and they'd be poor people and they'd bring their animal to offer it as a sacrifice to God, they would take the best cuts of meat and keep it for themselves to eat. Oh, that's a good tasty steak. I'm not giving that to God. I'm keeping it for myself, which was clearly against what God had commanded the priests to do. And on top of it, it says that they would sleep with all the women who came. They were abusing their power to take advantage of women. It's like, me too, right? Didn't it just start a few years ago? And this, there was people taking advantage of people spiritually so long ago and using their power for evil. And God was not happy with that. You are the spiritual leaders of my nation. How could you do this? So God sent a prophet to Eli, and the prophet clearly said, you can read this in chapter 2 of 1 Samuel, you and your sons will be removed from power forever. In fact, both of your sons will die on the same day. And no one from your family will ever work in the temple again. And up till that point, it had been a family thing. Your family is going to be cut off. But Eli, instead of being the father, the person in charge, instead of going to his sons and stopping them, he gave them just this mild rebuke. Hey, guys, stop it. And they didn't. They kept doing it. He didn't remove them from power. He didn't fire them. He let them continue in their sin again and again and again, leading people astray and abusing young women. Eli had been given a clear word from God. Stop it. And he didn't. Do you know what Samuel heard that night? The same word of judgment. Eli and his family are going to be removed. They have sinned against me and judgment is coming. And I point this out because Samuel was terrified. That's what it says. 
who was terrified of this. In verse 15, we read, Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. He was afraid. Do you know why he was afraid? Well, for one, it's hard to tell someone that they're going to have judgment and their sons are going to be killed. That's hard. But it was even harder because of what Eli says to him. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel had left his family. He only saw his mom once a year. Eli was his dad, his adoptive father. Those two sons of Eli, those were his brothers. They were his family. And he was going to have to tell his family that they were breaking God's law and judgment was coming on them. Man, I would be terrified. He's thinking, I don't know my family, my birth family. You guys are my family. If I tell you this, are you going to hate me? Are you going to disown me? Are you going to kick me out of the tabernacle? This is where I sleep. I don't have anywhere else to go. He was afraid of what could happen if he told the truth of God, the truth that God had given him to tell Eli. It says that Samuel answered, here I am. And in verse 17, we read, What was it he said to you, Eli asked. And in verse 18, so Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. For fear of losing his family, he he said, I will obey even though it's hard. See, God asked Samuel to do something very difficult. And unlike Eli, the high priest, who didn't do what God said, Samuel, this young boy, said, I will be obedient to whatever God says today. And that is why Eli got removed from power. If you read into chapter 4, both of his sons got killed on the same day in a battle. And Eli died as well when he heard the news. That entire family was wiped off the face of the planet because of their judgment and their unrepentant hearts. But Samuel was chosen then to be the prophet and the leader of the entire nation. Because he was obedient. So that's why this R is so important. When God speaks, we must respond in obedience. I really don't think most of us have a problem hearing what God says. I think we have a problem doing what he says. We know we're supposed to love our neighbors, yet do we even know their names? We know we're supposed to love our enemies, but what do we say about them behind their backs or on Twitter? We know that we're supposed to go and make disciples. That's a command. It's not a suggestion. And yet how many of us are personally helping another person follow Jesus? Ooh. It's not just for me or JJ, missionaries in Togo, to do that. We all are called to obey that command. So I just want to say this. We must respond in obedience. James, Jesus' brother, would say in 122 of his uh, letter, don't deceive yourselves by only hearing what the word says, but do it. You're lying to yourself if you're not doing that. Jesus would say something similar in Matthew chapter 7 in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. It's not enough just to hear God speak, it's to actually do it. So I want to challenge you with this. Will you respond in obedience to what he's called you to do? It might be really hard. It might be really hard. It was hard for Samuel to be obedient, but that's what he had to do. 
I want to give you a few tips with this. A few tips. You read God's word, you hear some of these clear commands in Scripture. So if you hear God telling you to do something that is contradictory to anything in God's word, you didn't hear it from God. Okay? Let's just say that. So if you're dating someone and you're like them a lot, and you're thinking, I think God is telling me to marry this person, but it says clearly in his word, do not become unequally yoked. You know what that means? Don't be yoked. Don't be in a relationship, especially a committed relationship like marriage, with someone who doesn't share the same spiritual values as you. And you say, but God wants me to be happy. Yeah, he does. That's why he's telling you not to marry someone that will probably end in divorce or you'll spend the rest of your life miserable because you don't share the most important things in common. He wants you to be happy, true happiness, not that temporary thing that's going to be gone in a couple of years. When God tells you to do something and it, you think he tells you to do something and it's contradictory to God's word, it's not God speaking, okay? Is that clear enough? Here's another thing. If you think God is telling you to do something and you tell some trusted friends who are believers, maybe you tell your community group or a, a spiritual mentor you have and, and you tell them these things and they're like, I don't know, that just doesn't seem right. God might not be saying that thing to you. Okay, kind of keep it on the back burner. I always say that. Put it on the back burner. If it's from God, it will be good and it'll still be there. But there's wisdom from other people and sometimes it's hard to discern. Maybe we're still in that process of learning to recognize God's voice. We don't know for sure yet. So just kind of put that on the back burner. But if you do hear something and you're thinking, Matt, but that would make me uncomfortable. I might feel weird or look weird or it might be really hard or challenging or, or people will not like me because I do it. God might be asking you to do that. That's what it was like with Samuel, right? Something hard. So this is what I want to challenge you to do, to humble yourself, to expect him to speak, to ask him to speak, and then to respond in obedience. You remember that? Here, simple, right? I, I want everybody to memorize this and know it. Humble yourself, expect him to speak, ask him to speak, and respond in obedience. And then you will begin to recognize his voice more and more and know it, and you'll be able to pick it out from a crowd. Because so often we, we confuse our own voice in our head or the voice of other people or even the voice of the enemy telling us something else. But we will learn to recognize his voice so clearly if we do this. Um, I, you who are parents know what I'm talking about, but I have noticed with Melissa now, our daughter's just over two, and we could be in a crowd of people, hundreds of people around us. There could be kids screaming and running around. There could be music blaring. But if McKinley starts crying, Melissa hears it immediately and jumps into action. Because she knows her daughter's voice. She loves her. And in the same way, I think that we can know our father's voice that well. I think we can have it so down. We've read his word. We've studied it. We hear hear his word again and again on Sunday mornings as we worship weekly. We're so in tune with God that when we hear it, we know what he tells us, and we jump and spring into action and obedience. We don't have to wait and ask people and wonder. We were that clear. We recognize it that well, and I think we can get there. But it's going to take some work as we learn to hear God speak. I think the reason why we know that God cares about us and does want to speak to us is because he spoke so clearly 2,000 years ago when he sent his son, Jesus. Did you know one of the names for Jesus and what he's called in the Gospel of John is the Word of God? 
Interesting title. The Word of God. The power of God speaking now has come into the world and the Word became flesh, we're told. A human being. And when Jesus came and walked among people, he taught even as a teenager, as one who had authority. People would stop to hear him. Crowds amassed around him. And when he told them to repent, they would repent. And when he told them to follow him, they came and followed him because he spoke with the gravitas, with an authority that was not of this world. But what's even more incredible is that that word of God became mute. Jesus went and died on the cross. Even though he was the voice of God, he was silenced. But he did it to save us, to forgive us, to offer us a new life and a new relationship with this God who wants to talk with us and be in relationship with him so that we can go and tell others about him. And we know that that word is good because on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead in power. And that miracle proves that God's word is true. And that following Jesus is worth it. And obeying whatever he says is worth it, no matter how hard. So I want to challenge you to learn to hear God speak. Today we have uh, two people, and I think maybe we have a third, who's decided to follow that step of obedience. Because did you know the first command Jesus gave to his followers was? Get baptized. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them. So one of the first steps of obedience for us in faith and following Jesus is to get into water of baptisms. And like Grant mentioned, if today you're feeling God speak to your heart and you're ready to do that, I'll dunk you. We have extra shirts. I even brought some, some pants and some shirt, shorts because I knew there would be somebody today and there's already one person. I brought some extra towels so you have no excuse. And if you get wet, who cares? We're ready to baptize you today if you're ready to make that decision to publicly say, I follow Jesus. We want to do that. Or if you're here today and you've been feeling God tug on your heart. You said, I've never felt this before. I didn't even know if God was real before today, but I'm feeling something. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And maybe today you're ready to make that decision to follow Jesus for the first time and accept that gift of forgiveness and eternal life. So what I want everybody to do is just bow your heads. Close your eyes. Let's just all close our eyes for just a second. If you're here and you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, you've never declared him your Lord and Savior, but you want to today, would you please just raise your hand? Is there anybody here? Just raise your hand. If you're thinking about it, I'd love to talk with you about it. Just slip your hand in the air. If you're here today and you're saying, I am a follower of Jesus, but I've never made that public, but I think today I need to. I need to obey. I need to respond to obedience. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. If you're ready to make that decision today. If you're here and you've been hearing God tell you to do something and you haven't done it yet, but you're saying, Matt, it's time for me to obey, would you raise your hand? If you're saying, I'm going to obey what God is telling me, praise God. Lord God, I pray for all these people in here today. Lord God, you are a God who speaks. Sometimes it's hard to hear you. There's so much noise in our world, but you are a God who speaks. And I pray that you'd speak to us. We ask you, Lord, with humble hearts to speak to us, to change our lives. And for those here today that are making that decision to follow you or to get into this waters of baptism, Lord God, I pray that you would transform their lives and begin this communication with them, this relationship that would last the rest of their lives and into eternity. I pray, Lord, for those who are saying, God, I know you've been asking me to do something, but I haven't been willing to do it. I've been holding back, but today I will obey. Lord God, I pray that you'd be with those people and give them courage 
to stand up and do what you have called them to do and follow you wherever you lead. And I just pray, Lord God, that you would be with us. Let us go out and be obedient, hearing your voice and loving those around us, telling them the good news of Jesus Christ and seeing as our entire community and country and world is changed for you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's watch.